very much. So, Father, I thank you that, Lord, uh, life comes and goes, challenges come and go, but you don't change. Nor does your name uh, or the power uh, attached to your name. And God, all of us, or most of us, uh, have encountered the wonder of who you are. And we love you. And we want to walk with you. We want to hear from you. And we pray, Lord, this morning that you would touch our hearts. And where there needs to be conviction, let there be conviction. Where there needs to be encouragement, let there be encouragement. But God, church is about you. And I just pray, Lord, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. So, um, I really encourage you guys, we really want a full house next week when we have Kevin coming. We're combining with Cobram. Um, Kevin's a guy that actually was our first pastor, Pecker and I. And he's a funny guy because he's very, very skilled and very, very good communicator. And um, he, 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 how can I say this? He, he will give me a bit of stick. Uh, he's not frightened to tell me some stuff, which is a good thing to some degree. But I really encourage you to come to church so you make out the pastor looks, look good. Because, um, I, I shouldn't say that, but just please come, because we're putting it on and we really need you to come. I'm probably going to get into trouble today. No, for your, for, for your sake you should come, but also for the fact that when we put on events you should come, because they take a bit of effort. And people come and what, they work hard at it. Anyway, I'm going to s- stay off that subject. Okay, I want to talk to you this morning about um, a thing that I've entitled my message, Together, One Mind, One Voice, One Prayer. Together, One Mind, One Voice, One Prayer. I'm going to use my iPad. I hope it's not going to go flat because I'm having one of those mornings. One, two, three, four, five, six. And thank you for everybody tuning in the stream. I know a lot of our brothers in Africa, you tune in. Um, even though it's early in the morning, um, you're crazy, but good on you. Uh, and everybody else who's tuned in. Okay, now my sermon pages. Rightio. Um, the early church. Now, we've been using the early church as a reference to understand what church should be like. Why should we gather? Uh, how should we gather? And for what purpose should we gather? Um, and we use the book of Acts. And I'm going to read your scripture to remind you where we've been. Acts chapter 2, um, the day of Pentecost, 1 through to 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So the house was filled where they were sitting. They had been gathered together in one place with one accord. The word one accord means to be of the same mind. So they kind of were coming together from different types of walks of life. Jesus had said, don't go to anything too much until you've sought my face because I want to give you a gift called the Holy Spirit. And so what happened was they were in a they were obedient to that. They were together in one place. Uh, not all, they didn't stream church or all those kinds of things. I love streaming. It creates a whole lot of opportunity. Um, but really, 
the best way to do church is to be together. You with me? Don't listen to people that say you don't need to go to church because it's actually anti-scripture. The Bible is absolutely clear about it. Um, Because there is a reason why. See, God, g'day, David. I'm so glad you came. Yeah, good to see you, David. David and I caught a couple of cod the other, uh, a couple of um, carp the other day, didn't we, David? Big suckers too. Anyway, that's another story. Um, see, when God makes a plan, He doesn't make it because He thinks it's you know a, a whim. God is a God of incredible strategy and purpose. He decides to do things because He has a reason. He created you for a reason. He got the church to gather together in one accord uh, in the same place on the day of Pentecost for a reason. And that reason was that he was going to empower them, touch them, to use them to represent him uh, on that day. And history has continued and that pattern of gathering together because God has a purpose and a plan and a reason And uh, in order for us to be touched by him, to be filled by him, and to live our lives in the purpose that he has for us. You with me? It hasn't changed. It's important that we do gather together. And now then we talk about this thing called one mind. Or one accord means one mind. One mind means basically that we are focused on the same thing together. So when we come to church, it is really important, that's why we have worship and we sing songs or we pray prayer, um, is that we are coming to church with our minds focused on Jesus. Um, Focused on Him. Because when we come together and we're not focused on Him, we're just like any other group that would get together. The thing that makes us different is the thing we focus on. The thing that makes you different as an individual compared to the rest of the world is that you focus on Jesus. You with me? Can I have an amen? We're going back over stuff. Focusing on him. One mind, single-mindedness. Now, what happened was also in Acts chapter 4, 24, so when they heard uh, heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord again, one mind it means, and said, Lord, you are God who has made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in it. You see, as, as I spoke a couple of weeks back, let me tuck that thing in there because it's hanging down. I'm going to trip over it probably. He said, um, um, oh, that's what I said. I said, when we, were, when we gather together and we are single-minded, one-minded, it alters how we, what we say because we begin to say the same things together. And that's why when we sing songs together and our mind is on Jesus, there's something that comes or it attracts the presence of God. You know what I mean? So it's important when we come to church, when we worship, that we're focusing on Him and that our voices will then speak that one single voice to Him, a unified voice. You with me? All good. Now, last week I said a very controversial statement about um, megachurch. What is a megachurch? Um, Zoe, uh, I saw her at the end of the service and I said, Zoe, what do you think about being a megachurch? And Zoe says, I can't say that word. 
I can't say megachurch. I, I don't like the word megachurch. Zoe, I'm using you as an illustration. You're not here, so never mind. But it's funny, you see, because there is a connotation, a cultural connotation that, that, affects and that, that has affected the 21st century church. Now, there are megachurches, but there's a definition that the world has given a megachurch, and there's also the propaganda or the, I don't know, the, the stuff that's wrapped around the word megachurch that can be negative. With me? So for Zoe, that, that thing was the negative connotations made it, made it difficult for her to be able to say megachurch or say that we want to be a megachurch. Now, on my Thursday thoughts, I tried to explain it a little bit more clearer. I don't, I'm not looking for us you know, to be a church of numbers. I'm looking for us to be what I believe the biblical meaning of megachurch is, and that's found um, in the early church when it said that they had uh, great power and great grace. Because the word great means mega. Mega means massive, huge, awesome, unbelievably, astonishingly large. And the early church had incredible, astonishing, unbelievable, wondrous power upon it. And the second aspect that they had was a thing called great grace. So they had mega, awesome, powerful, incredible grace upon them. And grace means the favor, the touch of God, the the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the acceptance of God. So that they were a people that that, um, uh, uh, stuck out. Not because of the numbers, but because of the presence of God upon them. You with me? So when I said that this is what I believe we're meant to be, I believe that God wants every church, in fact, to be a church where there is a mega sense of his presence upon it, where there is a mega sense of the grace and mercy and kindness of Jesus upon his people. Uh, I use the illustration in uh, my Thursday thoughts of uh, how we, in modern day language, measure um, explosive power. So the most uh, powerful weapon known to mankind is a nuclear bomb. The most powerful nuclear bomb made so far is a thing called the Tsar bomb. The Tsar bomb is an extreme, massive, powerful nuclear weapon that is measured, its explosive power is measured by, uh, it's, uh, I think it's, is it 550? Uh, by 50 megatons of explosive power. 50 megatons of explosive power, if you were to try and find something that was equivalent, you would have to get um, 50 million tons of TNT. Now imagine if we got 50 million tons of TNT together and we lit that baby up. That would be massive. We probably wouldn't be left standing. I don't know how many megatons um, the factory, if that baby blew up, where we make explosives in the Arawanga, if that baby, how many megatons? Probably not as big as the Tsar bomb. But what I'm trying to say is when we hear the scripture talk about great, we don't understand perhaps the real meaning behind it, that when the early church were known to have mega power, it was unbelievable power, astonishing presence of God. And that, in fact, is not then and not meant to be now. The church today, 
uh, representing Jesus should be a church that has incredible power upon it. That when somebody comes to a, or a meeting, that God's presence touches them. That when they come to a meeting, that the, 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 the group of people gathering have incredible acceptance towards them and love and kindness and care, you know what I mean? And towards each other. That's why the early church uh, gave so much to each other. The early church, uh, there were people with no need. Why? Because they loved each other and cared so much about each other that money didn't matter anymore. All the, all the, um, you know, the selfish side of mankind didn't matter anymore. And it's not that people still own stuff or whatever. It's just that there was a mega touch of God upon them. You with me? Why would we not want to be a mega church? Amy. Amen? Good. Mega. Now, this morning I want to talk to you about a thing called agreement. Agreement. You see, to be a church that gathers together to stick out from the rest of groups that meet, to be a church, we need to have that thing called one mind, and we need to be able to uh, have the ability to have one voice. But you can't have one voice, one voice, or you can't have one mind unless there's a thing called agreement. True? Uh, it actually says in the scripture, um, in Amos 3.3, 3, you don't have the scripture, can two walk together unless they are agreed? How many people in a marriage know that you have to agree? You're not going to agree on everything. Uh, true? But there are important principles in marriage. If you want your marriage to be something that is you know, really, really good, there has to be these points of agreement. If you want to see a marriage that falls apart, you'll find that there is very little agreement. Now, I want to ask you a question, because agreement's a funny thing to try and find out. What's your favorite color, Amy? Blue. blue. How many blue favorite colors do we have in the room? A couple. Okay. Uh, ben, what's your favorite color? Red. Well, red and blue are very different. So, yeah, you're wrong. But you see, there are things that we all uh, kind of hold to that we think that we like. Now, here's another point. Uh, what about, um, what's your favorite thing to do, Ben? Hey? Fix things. Well, I know some people here like to break things, so that's their favorite thing to do. Dale, what's your favorite thing? Huh? Timber. He likes to make things out of timber. You like to fix things. What? You know, um, we all have favorite things to do. True? And we may not agree on those types of things, but there are things that we need to, as a church, agree upon. Now, what's your favorite scripture? Anybody give me a favorite scripture? Proverbs 13, 15. Proverbs 13, 15. Eh? 3, 15 says... Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Now, how about every Sunday, because that's uh, Courtney's favorite scripture, that every Sunday, because that's the best scripture, she loves that scripture, let's just preach that scripture every Sunday. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if we'd find agreement there, because we're different. 
See, the early church were different. The early church had different levels of wealth. They had different problems. They had different likes. But they were able to find a thing called agreement. And as Amos said, how can two walk together unless they agree? Amen? Agree. So what do we need to agree upon as a group of people when we gather together? Because it's real interesting, what should we agree upon? Because we need agreement to have one mind, and we need uh, agreement to all agree if we're going to have prayers that come from a single voice. Agreement. So can we turn to Matthew chapter 18, 8 through to 19. Matthew chapter 18, 8 through to 19. Assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking. Now, pre this, Jesus was talking about kind of governmental church life. He was talking about how you deal with problems as a group of believers. If, if there was someone who had a problem with someone else, then what would happen is kind of Jesus was talking about a process about how to deal with disagreement, in fact. To deal with maybe, you know, offense. And so this kind of scripture steps out of that. Uh, Verse 18, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here's the thing. It was about the church realizing together or leadership or people dealing with a problem that if they agreed and they said something, that heaven would agree with them. Because that's kind of the power of agreement. Then it says this. Something would happen uh, on earth because of heaven. Verse 19 says, and again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, now this is attached to ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Verse 24, uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Super interesting scripture. Where two or three gather, if there is agreement, there's something that happens in response from heaven, that heaven notices it, and that the scripture says, and if they ask, and they're in agreement, it actually says that heaven will do what they ask. Pretty cool. Agreement is a very powerful tool for the church, because causes heaven to respond to us when we agree. That's why in your marriage, my friends, it is so important you have solid agreement together. And sometimes it's hard if you're married to an unbeliever. It can be very, very difficult. Very, very hard. But there is nothing impossible to God. And the power of agreement Um, I know when we've been helping people in marriage troubles, that when we can find agreement, that brings a change. I know in my own marriage that, you know, and um, Pekka and I have very strong views in lots of ways. Uh, We differ, in in fact, in lots of ways. I mean, I I hate shopping. Honestly, I hate it. If I'm going to go to the shop, I will in and out. Get the task. My wife, uh-uh-uh. It's like you've got to wander around everything and look at everything and look and that and that. And, you know, we don't agree on shopping, I'll tell you that much. 
I've learned a lesson. Uh, I'll go do the shopping. Sometimes I do go shopping with her, but I have to learn how to be patient, which is kind of a struggle. Anyway, so, you know, but there are things that her and I agree on. We agree together that we have dedicated our life to the service of Jesus. We agree together that we wanted to bring our children up in the ways of God. We agree together that we wanted our marriage as best as possible to live out what the Scripture said and that we were both accountable to God. And that enabled our marriage to grow and, and walk over the difficulties because we had agreement on the things that mattered. Hallelujah. Agreement is very important. Now here's the thing, it says, if two or three agree and they gather together in my name, the scripture says, there I am in the midst of them. It's kind of interesting because I asked myself the question. So it says, when two or three or two gather together and they're gathering together under his name, it says that there's something that happens, that in the middle of all of that, Jesus says he's there. Kind of interesting. So was he there in the first place, or did Jesus, uh, did they put him in the middle, or did Jesus put himself in the middle because they agreed? Kind of interesting question. Chicken and the egg thing. Did Jesus come and was in the middle because they agreed, or did Jesus come and was in the middle because they put him in the middle? Do you understand what I mean by that? You see... One of the keys to you and I being in agreement and us as a church is where we put Jesus at the center. You understand? He wants to be in the center. He wants to live in the center of this church. He wants to live in the center of your life, but it's where you choose to put him. That's his desire, but he has given us a thing called free choice, free will. But there is a powerful thing individually and corporately when we decide to put him in the midst, in the middle, in the middle of my marriage, in the middle of our church leadership, in the middle of our worship, in the middle of our sermons. When we centralize Jesus, heaven will respond. Amen? Is that profound? It's kind of simple, but I think it's pretty good. Am I, can I have an amen? Amen. Katie, so good to have you come back. You were part of our family. Then you left us. You didn't care. You went away. Ah. But then you came back. Why did I say that? I don't know. I just saw your face. No, Katie, I'll give you a key to your future. You want a key to your future? Because I think maybe you came here looking for a key to your future. Simple key. Put him in the midst. Put him in the middle. Make him central. It'll be hard. It is hard sometimes. But he, the scripture promises, will give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Put him in the middle. If you've got a problem going on, put him in the center of the problem. If you've got an addiction, if you've got whatever, if you've got a bit of discouragement, ah, put him in the center. Now the word agree, because remember it says where two or three agree, 
So we've got to understand what it means to agree. There's something about agreeing that Jesus will come and be in the center, or we put him in the center, or we agreement is built around centralizing Jesus. The word agree is a real interesting word because it means, it actually is the Greek word symphonia or symphonio. Forgive me for my poor pronunciation. You know what that word actually means? It is the word that we get symphony from. Now, I'm not a musically clever person, but I do know what a symphony is. Well, it's an arrangement of music. Pretty cool. It is to be, the word sympathy, oh sorry, uh, symphony, the dentist has damaged my mouth, so I'm still, he removed some teeth. Yeah, give him back, man. So the word symphonia actually means to be harmonious. That's why they use it for symphony. To be harmonious. What does it mean to be harmonious? Well, I can tell you what it's not to be harmonious. To be harmonious is not to get a choir to gather together and the choir stands up and each individual member of the choir sings their own song in their own key and uh, it will sound like a... What? Fish market, that's right, city. It will sound like a Fijian fish market. Aussie fish market. See, when we gather together and we come to church, we're not here all to sing our own song in our own key. We're not all here coming to church to push our own thought of what is most important unless it's putting him central. Do you get what I mean? It's funny, um, I'm not the flashiest singer in the world, but here's the cool thing. When uh, we have these skilled, wonderful, awesome musicians who can sing and understand music, and I put my voice in with them, it makes the sound even better, even though I can't sing very well. You with me? Because together, man, we can make a beautiful sound. And see, that's what church should be like. That together, we are harmonious because we have put him in the middle of our relationships with each other, because we have put him in the middle of the reason why we are here. Amen? Agreement. Where two or three gather, well, praise Jesus, there's more than two or three here today. I was worried earlier on. It was looking bare. Still not the flashest. But, you know, I'll leave that alone. Because I don't want to get discouraged. Gathering together in his name. How am I going for time? Acts 4.24. Can we turn to Acts 424, and I want to have a look again at a prayer that was prayed by the early church that was a harmonious prayer. Coming from one voice with one mind. 
and they were together in one place. Acts chapter, chapter 24 says, so this is after there was a bit of fear of persecution and uh, Peter and John had come back and they all got together to try and think what they would do. <clears throat> Verse 24, so when they heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord. See, the one accord affects how they spoke. And they said, Lord, you are God who made the earth and the sea and all that is in them. I kind of want to talk to you today about agreement, but agreement that is transferred to corporate prayer. One place together, one mind, one voice, one prayer together. Corporate prayer that comes from agreement. <clears throat> Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on the threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, because this is some stuff, friends, that we can agree together. Put Jesus in the middle. And here's some things I believe we can agree together to pray together with one voice. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was boring. Everybody fell asleep in the pew. People thought, why did I come to church? What is this all about? Same old, same old. Ah, ah, ah. I wish I could just go home and eat my lunch. It's wasting my time here today. It's not what it says. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. See, what they asked, he gave them. And I want to focus on how they prayed and what they prayed for. You see, the word prayer here in its definition means not prayer like this, Jesus. You know, if you're feeling like it, uh, grant me this for myself. The word prayer here means to beg God. Super interesting. To cry out, to God with desperation. To plead and ask and implore. You see, the early church didn't just gather together in one place with one mind and with one voice, but together they began to plead the throne room of God. There was a desperation that as a group of people, they realized they needed him. And see, I don't know how much desperation we have. I don't know how much desperation I actually have as an individual. Man, I know years ago, man, I was so desperate 
crying out to God for my family. Before I, Pekka and I had children. We couldn't have kids and we were crying out to God to give us kids. Man, did I do the right thing? Yeah, no, I did. I did. It was good. Absolutely. But see, we were desperate for something that we couldn't achieve ourselves and that we needed God to reach down and change the situation. And in fact, I came from a family that weren't Christians and I knew that when I met him that I needed my family to get to know Jesus. I needed my dad who was a hard man. I needed my mum. I needed my siblings. I needed the people that I worked with to actually meet Jesus because I knew they desperately needed him. So there was a desperation that was transferred to my life because of the desperate need that I was aware of. And it changed how I prayed. I didn't pray a boring, you know, whatever. And in fact, when I met with people and I would gather with people quite often and we would cry out with desperation as well because we were realizing the need of God's hand to move. And see, the book of Acts Church, we're crying out with desperation because the government of the day, both religious and uh, secular, were after the church to crush the church. You see, in fact, they were trying to shut down the church's ability to speak the name of Jesus. Yet this Jesus had changed their lives. They had been born again. Their life was never going to be the same. But there was a cost because they could lose their lives. You know what I mean? Desperation. I know mothers who cry out for their children because they are desperate to see their kids encounter God. Desperation does something. Because this way they prayed registered in heaven. How many churches do you think this Sunday all over the world will gather together? Heaps. Heaps and heaps and heaps and many, many, many. But I'll tell you the thing that will make the churches different and stand out from the myriad of churches that are meeting today doing the same old, same old is the desperation. Is the one heart, one mind, one voice praying in desperation. Hey, that is good. This is true. But you know, what am I praying to God now? I'm saying, God, make me desperate. Make me the person I used to be. There's a scripture in the book of Revelation about a whole bunch of churches that were of varying degrees and had varying problems. And one of the churches had a thing called, they had lost their first love. The love of Jesus. Because I know that when I've loved Jesus, when I'm crying out to him, when I put him in the midst, my life changes and there is an effect on my care for people around my life. How much have we lost our love of him? I don't know. I know I have lost a bit. Didn't feel a lot this morning when I was getting up to preach. Well, I'm human. You know, Sorry. Oh, you know, I'm not going to go there again. <laughs> me and Libby, I love you laughing. Me and, me and Libby, we laugh. We laugh in the, in, the, in the, what is it? In the face, yeah. Sometimes I laugh. Maybe not. 
Sometimes I cry. You know? They cried out to God this. They pleaded, they implored, they begged. They didn't claim, because, yeah, I believe in claiming in my prayers, but there was a desperation that caused them to beg the only one who could bring an answer. They said, God. They declared who he was, what he'd done, because they knew who he was. And then they said, God, grant us the ability to speak your word with boldness. Think about this. Desperately they were crying out to God to grant them boldness to speak his word. Why were they doing that? Why didn't they cry out, God, find us some caves to hide in? Why didn't they cry out, God, remove the Roman government. We hate that bunch. Why didn't they cry out, shut down the Pharisees, man? You know why? Because they knew that God turns bad to good. They knew that God, no matter what was going to happen around their lives, if man, if they could speak his word boldly, something would happen because his word has power. The word boldness there, am I, am I touching some people today or am I just speaking out of my desperationly discouraging spirit. <laughs> There's Libby, laugh, good. Lord, let us speak your word with boldness. The word boldness there means with faith and confidence, with no hindrance upon it, in a public setting. Very interesting. It's a whole wrap-up in that, baby. You see, God, we can speak his word boldly in the church and we can have a whole lot of courage in church and go, well, well, well. But it's out there in the world where it's going to cost. It's out there in the workplace. It's around the people who are my neighbors. You know, God, we want to speak your word with confidence. Without fear, without worried about I'm going to be rejected or they're not going to like me or they're going to call me a religious kook. You know? So many Christians are so frightened of rejection because of Jesus. So many Christians won't mention that name because they're scared of the consequence. Uh, early church, pattern, great power, great grace. Sam um, Childers, when he came, very interesting, you know, we filled the place. Maybe we need to make a movie so everybody would come to church. I could be the actor, you know. I could act out your life city. Oh, he's got an amazing story, you know. I would be an albino Fijian. We could change the story, a little bit of Hollywood artistic, whatever. Why did I say that? I don't know. Boldness. To speak God's word with courage. Friends, stop letting the world make you scared. 
Stop letting the intimidation that's happening around this world, stop letting the intimidation of being woke or, you know, I'm politically correct, shut down the voice of the church. God, can we agree that we need to pray that God would give us boldness and confidence? Can we agree that we need to speak his word and not our own? Can we agree that if we speak his word, it has power? Sorry, I'm not convinced. Amen. And then, I love this. Um, now, Lord, look on their threats, because this could hurt, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Then verse 30. Attached to the word, as we speak your word, Lord, let your hand stretch out to heal. One is attached to the next thing. See, the word preached with confidence and faith and boldness. Lord, let your hand reach out as we speak to people about you. Lord, when, let when I say Jesus or that I'm a Christian, let not just those be my words, Lord, let not just those be from my intelligence, but let there be an accompanying of your hand touching that situation. See, the word... Their stretch. Is this too technical? Nah. When it says stretch out your hand, it actually means uh, a person who reaches out with their hand and touches, actually. So, you know, when, we, when they were saying, God, let your hand reach out, it's just not like kind of reach out, it was reach out and touch. God, touch. God, touch my people around me. God, when I speak of you, touch them through what I say because your hand has power to convict and show kindness and love to them. God, you know the word anointing? You ever heard the word anointing? The word anointing basically means to have the touch of God upon it. Now think again, go back to my little story about how many millions of Christians are meeting together in buildings. Think about how many... uh, Churches, but here's the point. How many is the hand of God reaching out and touching through that? And I'm not trying to discredit, but I'm saying, think about how much is his hand reaching out and touching through us? Because man, could we do with some more? Reach out and touch. The, The prayer of Jabez, when Jabez was praying, he said, God, you know, Extend the borders of my territory. Let may your hand be with me. May your touch be with me. What can we agree on? Man, God, we need your hand. Reach down and touch this town. Reach down and touch my children. See, you can pray individually, and that's cool. But man, when you get together and you together pray something more powerful will happen. You know, on our uh, prayer meetings on a Sunday morning, they're pretty lean, friends. They're pretty lean about how many people come to pray beforehand. You know, God bless the people who are those regular, we'll come and pray. But how hard is it if we're really desperate to want to see God's hand move that to come and pray together and call to him? See, I'm giving you a harsh one today. 
I don't know. Boldness. Stretch out your hand. To do what? Because the hand, when it touches, it says stretch out your hand to heal. The word heal means to cure. You see, we can think it means this much, but it means massive. Cure. Heal the situation. Touch the life. Bring salvation. Bring encouragement. Bring hope. Bring life. Bring healing. I'm going to finish with this. And you know, please don't, um, can I just say, don't, you don't have to come and encourage me. It's all good. All right? Please don't come up and say, oh, Keith, we love you, because no. I already love myself enough. It's all good. It's a joke. No, but don't do that. Honestly, because I don't want it. I just want us to be together. I don't care. I don't need that. It says this, when Jesus was talking about um, light, us being the light, and um, let your good works be sh- you know, shine towards men and all that sort of stuff. And, and it says this, and it's a really, I love it, and I've preached on it. It says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are, not he's saying he is, he says we are. You know why? Because he's meant to be in the midst He's meant to be in the middle because his hand is meant to stretch out from us and be a light to the lost. Maybe I should quit being a pastor and just go be an evangelist. Amen? Amen. We have a taker. I don't want to have church just for doing church stuff there. Same old, same old. Man, they're going to sack me. We'll be good. It says this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, city, cannot be hidden. So you know what you can't hide? You can't hide the power of God. You can't hide the anointing that touches things from your life. You can't hide it, man. They couldn't hide it in the early church. You can't hide healing power. And see, they use the word city because a city is a combination of a whole bunch of lights together. See, that's why the together is so important because it takes it from being one light to a city of lights. City of lights. And that's why the devil is so hard at work at trying to shut down the city or the joining together of people. Father, sorry if I blew it today with stuff. Um, you have your purpose this morning, Lord. It's not, it's not ours, it's yours. And God, I want to say, do we need your hand stretched out upon us? God, do we need you to touch our lips and our mouths in such a way that we will speak with confidence about you? And God, do we badly need the healing, curing power tied in the name of Jesus? So God, we cry out to you today. Now you may have not given your heart to Jesus. You might be on the string 
You might be here today, you might have backslidden. But you know what? Here's the cool thing. You just got to simply say, God, I'm sorry, I've blown it, forgive me. Or Jesus, I don't know who you are, but I want to know. Because he can change your life. He can heal your problem. Most of all, he can transform you into the person you're meant to be. So if that is you today, I just want you to wave your hand in this place. If you want to give your life to God today, give me a wave and wave to him. Cool. So... I'm going to ask you two to do something. And I want anybody who's on the stream that, that doesn't know Jesus or you want to come back to him, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you two guys to come up the front because I want to pray for you. Who cares about what people think, bro? Who cares? I'll tell you who cares is Jesus cares. So I'm just going to pray a prayer over you two and we're going to pray a prayer together. Father, I thank you for the t- these two lives. And I thank you, thank you for the lives that are on the stream, who, Lord, are making a decision today. I pray, God, break every chain. Lord, reach down and touch their lives. Bring the cure that they need, Jesus. Bring the forgiveness that they need, Lord, and that they would discover the beauty of you, Jesus. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just would ask that you guys follow me and whomever, just a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, You can say it, bro. He can hear you. I understand that you made me and you have a plan for my life. Please forgive me for all the wrong things that I have done and be the Lord of my life. Wash me and cleanse me from my past and fill me with you and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.